part of the Press Play Podcast Network. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. It's over. It's over. Cleveland is a city of champions once again. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. What a night for Donovan Mitchell and the Cleveland Cavaliers to ring in the new year. Hi, everyone. Thanks for stopping by on Cavs on the Break NBA podcast. John Sable alongside Sam Amico. Donovan Mitchell dropped 71 on the Chicago Bulls. Unbelievable. Uh, you know Sam Amico. Following him on Twitter, at Amico Hoops, the owner, writer, NBA writer, Cavs writer, owner, operator of HoopsWire.com. Sam, happy new year. How you been? Happy new year, John. Uh, been very well. I, uh, I was excited at this Cavs game that really started off as very dull and ugly and flat. And, uh, it was, it was great to, for, for those of us who continued to watch after that uninspiring first half for the reasons you just, well, that we just heard. Watching that game. Last night, as we record this on Tuesday, January 3rd, Sam, it, it, the difference between Donovan Mitchell's 71, in my opinion, and maybe, you know, Kobe Bryant's 81, or what Devin Booker did a few years ago, was that a couple of things. You can tell by the way he was scoring, he wasn't really trying to go for any record. He wasn't trying to get to 60, 65, 70, 71. I mean, he... He had some big assists in the when the game mattered the most when he could have just kept chucking it up, unlike Kobe during that 81 game against the Raptors years ago. Yeah, this wasn't a uh, look-what-I-can-do type of showing. This was the guy just wanted to win the game, you know, and they were unable to stop him. And, you know, everything he did, you're right. I mean, Kobe had that night, which was, you know, the, a lot of that was forced. It was... Uh, kind of I'm out to prove something. This was just, you know, and that's not to downplay, you know, Kobe's night, but this was very much unlike that, very much within the flow of the game. Like you said, he had had some nice passes in there, including a great pass to Jared Allen, who made a great catch Mm -hmm. uh, in crunch time. So, yeah, I mean, that that was the remarkable thing about this was it was really as much as you could say 71 points came within the team concept, they really did uh, because, you know, the Cavs needed, if not every one of them, just about every one of them, or at least every one of them to get them to overtime uh, and then for him to seal the deal uh, in overtime too. So, yeah, that was what I enjoyed about it the most. It wasn't just, you know, if it, People have seen the highlights of David Thompson versus George Gervin from the 1970s when Thompson, I think, scored 73 and Gervin had 61 or something in the game before that to go for the scoring title. You know, I never saw that game. I was too young. Even I was too young. But I wasn't even born then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, John. But I, uh, (laughs) I, uh, I will say that this is one of the few times I've seen, you know, that it came within the, uh, you know, came within the kind of a teamwork type of deal where it was just like the guy just can't be stopped. You know, uh, Michael Jordan, 63 against the Celtics in the playoffs comes to mind as one of the other times where a guy just did this within the complete team concept, 
trying to trying to win the game for his team. And interestingly, that Jordan game uh, against the Celtics also went to overtime. So there you go. Well, Jordan's career high was 69 back in March of 1990. And of course, for our younger fans that don't know, he did that, of course, against the Cavaliers. In Cleveland. So I think it was kind of nice that that Mitchell's uh, game came against the Bulls yes. in Cleveland. You know, kind of wash away that other one. Right. And you know what? It's funny. Cavs won two straight now against the Bulls. They win Monday night during Donovan's 71-point escapade, 145-134 in overtime. And, you know, you look at the stat line, you go to the box score, it's just so odd to see a 7-1, and a one, 71 next to a player's name in the points column. It's almost as if it feels like it's a typo. Yeah, John, I mean, it, it really does. And you, you look at uh, – there were a couple of scoring outbursts on Monday night. Clay Thompson came back to life with 54 points yeah, against the Hawks. Yeah. yeah, well, the Hawks, the Hawks are a mess, and they seem to give up those games to everybody. Um, you know, LeBron had a big night, so I, I think that this is kind of a offensive scoring explosion in the NBA this year. You know, old school traditionalists aren't in favor of it, but I think it's made for some exciting basketball. But yeah, when it comes to Donovan Mitchell. Uh, you know, yeah, you when he got to 60, I'm like, is he gonna get 62? And then it kept going, you know. I, I think even John, when he got to 50, I was like, I think the Cavs are gonna need him to get 55 or so for them to get this win or get it in overtime. And then when he just kept going in overtime with 13 points in the overtime, uh, yeah, it's just a strange thing to see. And the first player in NBA history to get you know 70 points, 71 points with. Double digits assists. He had a, you know, what do you have? Eleven assists. So mm-hmm. that's a first. That's the first time that's ever happened. And we're going to go in a little bit later here. The ramifications of this uh, improbable, unbelievable, historic, uh, you know, night and where it lands in the record books in just a moment. But you know, when when I just wanted to reflect a little bit on here. I was watching this game with my father in law. He was still in town for the holidays and uh you know we're just sitting there watching he's a he's a you know big sports fan not a big Cavs fan big NBA fan but you know he's you know you would go to those games in the early late 80s early 90s at the Coliseum and everything so he had kind of lost interest a little bit and he knew about Donovan Mitchell he knew about the trade in the offseason he knew all about that but he didn't know how good he was and we're sitting here watching the game and I'm like see this is what fans and, and he's I would call him as a, as a casual fan uh, don't know or didn't know much about of, of his ilk because of maybe he didn't have the name recognition played out in the Western conference played out in Utah, but Donovan Mitchell has lived up to the hype and then some and has really galvanized this team and is, is the clear cut leader. And when Darius Garland is playing, and I know we've talked about this and even before the season started, you and I and, and Chase and Jeremy had all talked about on the podcast, who's going to defer to who. And and it has been the case now where Garland is deferring to Donovan Mitchell. This is Donovan's team. And last night, even though Garland wasn't there and Evan Mobley wasn't there, it, it just just solidifies this as a Mitchell Spida's team. Well, without question, you know, and that's not a slight against Darius Garland. Mitchell's a little bit older of a player, has been through uh, playoff battles. Darius Garland has not uh, just, you know what I mean? He's a, he's a better player. He's just a, a more capable of creating for himself. 
and I think Garland's fantastic, but I, you know, I, Donovan Mitchell to me is becoming one of those top tier superstars. Whereas I kind of had him at the B level before he's becoming, you know, an A level kind of guy. And I think that started once he got to Cleveland, mm-hmm. you know, I thought, I think he was good in Utah. He's very good. Three-time all-star just probably now in Cleveland on a consistent regular basis, more of a, just more of a factor. I think he's, he was, He's been better than the Cavs even expected. He's probably been better than he himself was expecting it to go this this soon, you know, after a trade. So, um, yeah, I, and look, I mean, other than Jared Allen, John, who had a good game last night? Well, you know who no, didn't? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> Karis LeVert. Karis LeVert. <laughs> he almost ruined Donovan Mitchell's night by those, what, two or three possessions just – doing a little hero ball, vintage Karis LeVert in a negative way, going to the rack, out of control, off-balance layup, uncontested three, just almost ruined it. The only person that was stopping Donovan Mitchell last night wasn't the Bulls. It was Karis LeVert. Um, and and I, I've, I've, been hard, I've, been, I've been hard on LeVert, and I've also praised him, but not one of his greatest nights last night. Um but, you know, Chetty had a horrible shooting night, 6 of 13. He still had 19 points. Jared Allen, it was basically Jared Allen and Donovan Mitchell. Again, Darius Garland wasn't playing. You still don't have Dean Wade. Uh, Evan Mobley wasn't playing. And, and, you know, let me ask you this. Do you think, Sam, the fact that you didn't have your second and third best player in Garland and Mobley, and I'll, I'll maybe third, fourth best player in Mobley if you want to put Allen ahead of him, whatever. The fact that you didn't have those two guys, did it diminish Donovan's achievement? Do you think? Because I've heard some people on talk radio and podcasts this morning of saying, oh, well, you know, it's an inflated 71 because he didn't have any other his role players. Of course, he should get that number. I I, I, com- I call that complete BS. But what w- what say you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, there's no, of course, a guy should get 71. Right. Um, you know, and really, the, the really the only way to spin this game is. This team was incredibly flat. He was flat. He started flat. What did he have, five points at the end of the first quarter? You know, something like that. So they were down 20, 21, whatever, needed something to get them going. Because they didn't have Garland, they didn't have Mobley, that didn't help. Karis LeVert, as you said, was incredibly off. Uh, They just didn't have really anybody else in terms of, you know, a guy who was going to go out there and get a bucket for you when you needed it, get some stops. It was almost like he said, you guys get stops. I'll get the baskets. And that's exactly what he did. You know, so the fact that Garland or Mobley weren't there. Yeah. Maybe it helped is, you know, maybe it helped the fact that he had to score more for sure. But guess what? He had to do it and he delivered, which is not easy to do in the NBA, especially because you could see toward the end of the game, you know, played a lot of minutes, getting a little tired. The Bulls are throwing multiple guys at him. Uh, He was just finding a way to score in spite of all of that, Mm -hmm. uh, just to will his team to a victory. And, you know, I mean, there's no criticism there. If If you're criticizing that, you're, you're, you know, you're really reaching. You just don't like the fact that he scored 71 and you're going to try to come up with reasons why. But the bottom line, from a basketball standpoint, he carried his team to a victory in a game that they probably shouldn't have won. 
Well, the Bulls had a 21-point lead, and they blew it, thanks because of Donovan 71. And you're right. He did not start off very well. He had five points after the first quarter, uh, missed a couple free throws there. And, um, you know, he, he still went 20 of 25 from the free throw line, which is incredible when you think about it. And I'll have an interesting stat about the, his free throws here in a moment when we talk about where this lands in NBA history, Cavs history, and why this makes it even so much better than what it is in a moment. But, Sam, I got to play this one clip. This is the one game, the one uh, moment in the game last night when I, like, jumped out of my chair uh, sitting with my father-in-law because it was it was not it wasn't you didn't see it coming you know and it was the play with um what three seconds left four seconds left he's at the free throw line Cavs are down he's trying to miss here's the call courtesy of John Mike on Bally Sports he missed it Bitter! That's incredible. Brad Doherty going nuts. We all went nuts. Mitchell misses the second free throw. I don't know. People are saying it was a lane violation. Whatever. He got it back, weaved his way through the trees down low when they brought in Lopez and Don and uh, Andre Drummond in Chicago and somehow tipped it back in with three seconds left, which which got the tie and forced it to OT. What'd you think of that play? Well, first of all, when I first saw it, I didn't know who tipped it in. I, I wasn't pay. I was like the I was like the Chicago Bulls. I was not paying attention to Donovan Mitchell. After I I just knew he was going to miss it on purpose. And when he did, I was looking. You know, I was looking at the big guys. I was looking at Jared Allen. Um, I think they had Robin Lopez down there too. Yeah, to try Lopez to get came rebound. in. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I, I it looked to me like what did it do? Hit off Lopez head or something? Uh, I, I I didn't know what happened. Like the incident happened. I just saw the ball go through the basket. I'm like, how did that happen? And uh, clearly, obviously, on the instant replay, it was, you know, we saw Luka Doncic do this, what, a week ago against the Knicks? They, you know, when his 60 point 21 rebound game or whatever it was. Yeah. So I just thought, there's no way the shooter is going to get this again. But if you place the ball right, you got to get lucky. I heard Mitchell joke after the game. Yeah, I practice missing free throws all the time. Yeah, was, yeah was, out in Utah with Quinn Snyder, they had a play designed just yeah, for that. That was yeah. incredible for him to say that. Yeah, and I mean, the fact that, that you know, look, it's kind of a little bit of a lucky play and that the ball bounces right to the particular spot. But, my gosh, for him to just go get that mm-hmm. and the way he snuck it in like that. Yeah, I heard Billy Donovan was saying, you know, it was a lane violation. You know what? This is okay. I don't know whether it was or not. I haven't. I haven't looked at the play over and over again. But I will say this: you blow a twenty-one point lead, then you know you need to worry about more than a potential, perhaps, lane violation and letting a six-foot-one guard go in there and get the rebound amongst all your guys. I mean, it's just. I I just think that's a cop out, but. No, amazing, amazing play. And then when they got it to overtime, John, I know I thought, have these guys got anything left? I mean, mm-hmm. they, just, they just extended themselves to this point. Are they going to have anything left? And, and sure enough, he did. When you think about what kind of condition these guys are in, I was just watching him thinking, how is he not 
run out of gas. I know at this point, you know, Sam, he, he played 50 minutes last night. And if that game went to double overtime, I mean, he was exhausted, but he would have kept going, man. He was built right on adrenaline and momentum. Um, Jeez. I, I, he looked like he was getting tired, but if it would have gone to double OT, I don't think he would have stopped. No, I mean, it seemed like the timeouts gave him the only break he needed. You know, yeah. catch his breath, catch his wind a little bit. Um, <clears throat> there were a couple shots there late in the game in the fourth quarter that I thought, okay, he's out of gas because they were short, but then he just, he just came right back. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's any of those type of performances are just something you don't expect to see very often and you don't. And that's what makes it so incredible. So how rare was this and where does this land? We know it's a Cavs franchise record, but where does this land in the all time NBA greats performances and why this 70 plus point performance might be one of the best ones yet. We'll explain why coming up right after this. You're listening to Cavs on the Break NBA podcast on the Press Play Podcast Network. John Sable along with Sam Amico. Stay with us. The wait is over. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is officially live in Ohio. Now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports anytime and anywhere right here in the great state of Ohio with DraftKings. And for a limited time, new customers who sign up with the promo code P3CAVS will receive $200 in bonus bets instantly. DraftKings says the best features including same-game parlays, player props, and more with fast and easy payouts right at your fingertips. Download the DraftKings Sports app now. New customers can use promo code P3CAVS to get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on anything. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Remember, use the promo code P3CAVS. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You must be 21 years or older. Physically present in the state of Ohio. Valid one offer per first-time depositors who have not already redeemed $200 in free bets via pre-launch offer. Minimum $5 deposit in wager. $200 issued as bonus bets. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash OH for terms. The R&R Podcast going to be rocking and rolling with you because football season is underway. College, Ohio State, the Power Fives, the Mac, the Browns. Michael Regai, are you ready to rock and roll with some football? Kenny, I've been ready. This is our time of year. This is what R&R is all about. We're going to be with you every week. Kenny just said it, Browns, NFL, Ohio State-centric. So you got to stay with us all fall and winter long here on R&R. That's right, the Red Eye and Rhoda podcast coming to you here on the Press Play Podcast Network. Subscribe now and don't miss a show. Looking for new insights on the Cleveland sports scene with a unique side of Cleveland sports history? Then you found the perfect podcast. I'm John Sable. And I'm Scott Sable, and we're hosts of the Sable Brothers on the Baseline podcast, a podcast about Cleveland sports, but not your typical podcast about the land's sports teams. Join us as we embark on a journey of sharing a unique and historical side of Cleveland sports history with the help of some former Cleveland sports stars and other historical figures. All right here on the Sable Brothers on the Baseline podcast, part of the Press Play Podcast Network. What's up, everyone? Chase Smith here, host of the Chase Smith podcast, and my podcast reflects who I am, my hobbies, my interests, my passions, my curiosities. 
my careers, my questions, and my family. I'll spend time talking about all types of sports, movies, TV shows, trending news stories, and other cultural events, and even faith. This is who I am, and I hope I can get to know you as well. Join me on the Chase Smith Podcast, and let's have some thought-provoking conversations only on the Press Play Podcast Network. Welcome back to Cavs on the Break, NBA podcast right here on the Press Play Podcast Network. John Sable alongside Hoops Wire, NBA Cavs writer, owner and operator of that beautiful website, Sam Amico. Follow Sam at Sam, or excuse me, at Amico Hoops on Twitter. Follow me at John underscore Sable and follow the pod at Cavs on the Break. Okay, Sam, I did some digging. I saw some uh, interesting facts when it comes to Donovan Mitchell's 71 points. First, let's just go with the most obvious accomplishments that what what happened last night in terms of where it lands with the Cavs we know he broke the Cavs franchise record with points scored with 71 previously beating LeBron's and Kyrie's 57 which is kind of interesting if you think about it because both of them did it two years uh two years apart from each other in 2015 and 2017 but when you think about Donovan Mitchell's accomplishments not only was he the 71 points, the eighth most points in NBA history. His 71 points came with seven threes, which ties the most for a 70-plus game with Kobe Bryant's 81. His 20 free throws, he went 20 of, what, 25, I believe? Yeah, 20 of 25 is the most free throws in a 20-point game. Not to mention, you mentioned his assist. His 11 assists before last night, the most assists in a 7-plus and more than 70-point game, you got to go Devin Booker had 6. David Robinson had 5 when he had his big night. Kobe Bryant, 81. He only assisted on two buckets. Of course, it's Kobe, ball hog, right? <laughs> Donovan had 11 assists, which comes back to my original point on this episode is that he wasn't forcing points. He wasn't forcing to score. He was just still distributing. He wasn't going for any type of record. He was going straight to, to try to win and still distributed the ball to a couple of those big assists to Jared Allen down the stretch. So he wasn't really, you know, he's a scorer, but he wasn't like, give me the ball. I'm going to shoot like Kobe's 81. Which no, you agree, came- right? Yeah, no, it came within the flow of the offense. It really did. And there were times where he would drive and, you know, Lamar Stevens is in the corner and we all love Lamar, but Donovan made the right choice by not giving it to him because, you know, Lamar's is not a, you know, I don't know what he's shooting from three-point range, but I'm sure it's not very good. And, you know, if you're Donovan Mitchell, you got it going. They can't stop you. You're getting to the basket. And there was a few times, like you said, where he did dump it off to Allen, dump it off to his teammates, then go get it back. Uh, a couple of times he dumped it off to Levert. He probably did not score on those buckets or those opportunities. So, uh, no, I, I, there wasn't a moment at all where I mm-hmm. thought, oh, he's just trying to get, you know, 70 points. There was never that moment. It was, you know, J.B. Bickerstaff said, I told the guys at one point in probably one of his – finest coaching moments just get Donovan the ball get out of the way 
and let him do his thing. And if, if he doesn't score, you're going to have a great opportunity because they're, you know, swarming on him. But no, there was nothing selfish about that performance at all. Okay. Back to the numbers here, two more ones. And then, then we can um, talk about some other stuff with the Cavs here, but two other things I got to say, we mentioned the assists, you know, he scored and assisted on 99 points last night, Sam. That's the second most in a game in NBA history behind Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game on March 2nd of 1962. Think about that. Think 1962. about that. <laughs> How many years ago is that now? 60? Is wow. that right? Am I, is my math right? Yeah. So you're talking about, you know, Wilt Chamberlain's game. 61 years. With 100, yeah. With 100, with 100 points. Uh which is, you know, forever living in an NBA lore. Mm-hmm. And this game came within a point of that in terms of his overall uh, production. It's just it's just something else because you don't, you know, the, I, I still can't get over, John, that there was about three or four times where I was like, you know, I've got other stuff I can do as opposed to watch this game because the Cavs <laughs> just didn't show up. But I kept thinking, somebody here is going to give them a spark. Mm-hmm. Somebody's, you know, they need to find a spark somewhere. I bet they make a run and I at least want to see the run. And you know what, John, they cut it to 93, 91. Then the bulls scored a couple more buckets. I'm like, yeah, that was the run. It's over. I thought the uh, same thing. Yeah. So they just don't have it tonight. They, they made their run and, and that's it. And uh, glad I, glad I didn't walk away. He becomes the seventh player in the 70-point club history. You know Wilt did it six times? He hit 70, yeah. 76 times. Of course, yeah. talk about Kobe Bryant, talked about David uh, Thompson, Elgin Baylor, David Robinson, Devin Booker, all had hit that plateau. Here's the other one little last uh, fun little stat for you that I find really fascinating when, when you talk about the 70-point club. Donovan's 22 of 34 from the field is the fourth best field goal percentage of those 70-point club, game club, the 70-point club, behind David Robinson, David Thompson, and two of Wilt's six games. That's It's insane. It's absolutely insane. (laughs) There were times where he would pull up uh, from three, a couple times there late in the game where I was like, oh, boy, and I mean – it was just money. Everything he does looks like so effortless. Fluid. Yeah. Right. There's there's nothing that, that looks forced. And again, this is not to downplay what the late great Kobe Bryant did and did for his entire career. But there were times it was very clearly forced. And there, you know, and it's not just Kobe. It was other guys as well who very clearly forced things to try to get more points in a certain game. Uh, I think back to like Tracy McGrady, Vince Carter. These are Mm -hmm. all guys I loved. So don't get me wrong. It's just, there were times where it was like, yeah, he's going to, he's going to get, you know, 60 or he's going out, he's out there to try to get, you know, 55 tonight. So there are times where they, and, and none of this, I never once thought that with Mitchell. I just thought, Nobody else has anything going other than Allen, who was fantastic, by the way. Yeah. Not only w- w- on his defense at the end on DeRozan, 
who, by the way, had 44 points. Yes. It's I'll... not often a guy has a 44-point game and you don't even bring it up. No mm. one has even brought that up nationally. But he was he was fantastic. But, I mean, he had almost 30 points lost to Donovan Mitchell. So, um, yeah, I, there was never a time where I thought Donovan is, is really forcing it here. I just thought – I remember thinking when he got to about 50, just shoot it. Just yeah. shoot it every time at this point. Nobody else, nobody else has got it tonight. Just shoot it. So I, well, I was glad for Cavs that he continued to shoot. Well, Sam, he definitely shot it. He also had a career high. Those 11 assists, career high. Career best, seven or 20 free throws made and 25 attempted, all career highs. And he scored, um, you mentioned the five points in the first quarter. Here's the rest of the scoring breakdown for him. Ready? Five in the first quarter. 11 points in the second quarter, 24 points in the third quarter, 18 points in the fourth quarter. And I believe he had 13 points in overtime. That's yeah. how that breakdown is. So, you yeah. know, you need great players, Sam, to come up when the matters, when it matters the most, and you need them to perform at the highest level. And that we've seen it happen with many other superstars in the league. We just have never seen it like this. At a, uh, we, we, I shouldn't say never. I should say we won't see this again in terms of the efficiency. Uh, we may not. Who knows? Never is a strong word, I guess. But we, we may never. We may not see it again like this. It's it's incredible. Uh, it doesn't happen very often. Clearly, you know, eighth player in NBA history to have over seventy points in a game. Yeah, and when you think about the way you just broke it down, really, other than the third quarter where he had twenty four points. None, nothing else is something like, oh, man, that was a quarter identity at 37 that quarter or whatever. No, I mean, it really it really was a, a very efficient, efficient game. And it's when you're talking, like you said, when you're talking about 70 plus point games, it's not always real efficient. But this this certainly was. I mean, what did he miss, John? 12 shots. Yeah. You know, so yeah. and he missed one of the free throws on purpose. So, I mean, it was, yeah, it was all around um, against a team that was pretty determined and seemed like they had the Cavs beat, too. How crazy is it that his 70 and 71 points came at the free throw line when you know what you're up against now, right? The Cavs kind of already had the breathing room. They know the, the, they're about to win. But in those last two free throws, I mean, that the the hoop must have looked like just a massive mass, like a swimming pool. It was so big. He was, you know, it's like they say with a baseball player, when you get a, a, a hitter who's on a roll, the ball looks like a beach ball, right? I mean, that that hoop must have, the rim must have just looked so big to him. And you didn't feel like he had any pressure in there. You'd think he would have, but he was so calm, cool, collected, and, and with ease, drained those two free throws to, to not only get over 70, but to hit 71. And I probably, you know, without going back into the playoffs, you know, in LeBron's last year, the 17-18 season, I can't think of a game off the top of my head, Sam, help me out here, that you're looking at a Cavs game and you're looking at a free throw and you're like, oh my God, this has got to go in. Come on, come on. You're rooting for it down the stretch like that. Yeah, no, not in the regular season. I mean, I'm sure, you know, uh, during my years as a every game beat writer, um, I'm sure there were a few, but, you know, last night was just, Last night you were just thinking, you like you said, come on, you got to make these just to get just to get it. Yep. But 
And I, I think at that point he was probably pretty relaxed because the game was out of, you know, they, yep. the, the outcome was pretty much decided, which is always makes it easier to shoot free throws. But, um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, once, once they, once they got to overtime and he just kept going, I'm like, wow, I want, you know, now at this point you want to see him get 70, you know, and, and, uh, I, I just couldn't believe it. I knew I mean what he did in the third and fourth quarters was remarkable enough, but the fact they kept it going in overtime, uh just just really John, I've seen so many of these games, you know, especially LeBron era, first LeBron era, uh but regular season, I just maybe because it's fresh in my memory, but I just don't I don't I obviously there's never been another scoring performance like this by Cavalier, but yeah, just uh, just the way he went about it was just phenomenal. The other game that comes to mind to me would be obviously when LeBron, you know, had those playoff games the first time uh, in Detroit. I mm-hmm. guess that was back in 2007 mm-hmm. when when he when he really broke out in that Detroit game and they beat the Pistons and went to the finals for the first time. Um, but this is this is way up there. That's for yeah. sure. Individual performances. I've got to. Th- I really had to think about it, but. Man, the, the LeBron game in Detroit, no seven. He had a couple of those big playoff series where he just took the Cavs, put them on his back against Indiana and Toronto in 18. Um, you know, Kevin Love's game against Portland where he hit all those threes and had what made that record of, um, what was that? The, his like 40 points or 30 points. I was actually at that game. I, I was too. I think he had like 34 in the first half though. And then he had, then he finished with 40. But yeah, the yeah, first 30, half 34 first quarter points against Portland. Um, and then finished with what, 40? Yeah. And, you know, LeBron <laughs> Six and points the rest of the game. <laughs> you know, a tandem performance. LeBron and Kyrie both having 41 in game five in 2016. That They're down 3 2. That was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Kyrie had some big scoring outbursts as well. So, yeah, I mean, fresh in your mind, you're right. I mean, but this, this isn't a playoff game. This is a game in January against a Bulls team that's not going to the playoffs. Um, if you go outside of the Cavs, Kobe's 81 was huge. Booker's game a few years ago was huge. Uh, LeBron, or excuse me, Michael Jordan had, uh, we mentioned his 69 in 1990. But, uh, you know, we may never see this again. I know I say never is a strong word, but if you really think about it, a game where someone takes over and hits that 70 plateau, it might, might not happen again, which is just more of an incredible feat. And I'm so glad we all got to watch it and you know embrace the history of it and um he gotta love he gotta love after the game in the locker room he gets the junkyard dog chain award and he's got the piece of paper of 71 of course that's mimicking the will chamberlain 100 when he's yeah. at in hershey pennsylvania in the 60s so uh cavaliers win donovan's a big winner uh hopefully you know it's early i, I one thing a biggest pet peeve of mine in sports media um and i try not to be that guy and i know you aren't either uh because it's still way too early to talk mvp but let's just maybe hope this kind of gets his name in that mvp conversation because there are so many guys having big years but i think now this is maybe donovan mitchell's coming out party with the Cavs at the national media i think are finally maybe start taking notice of them especially if the Cavs stick in the top four of the race. And as we sit here today on January 3rd, Sam, they're, they're locked in uh, to that four seed right now in the East at uh, 24 and 14, two and a half games back of Boston, a little long ways to go. Um, but before we wrap this up, Sam Cavs have a good test coming up here 
Phoenix, Denver, Phoenix, and then uh, on the road there uh, in Phoenix, Utah, and Portland, and Minnesota here in the middle of the month. So you've got a big five-game road trip after having the Suns at home coming up tomorrow on January 4th. Uh, Don't know the status of Darius Garland yet or Evan Mobley. Doesn't seem serious. Cavs will have a shoot-around tomorrow. Um, maybe we'll get some more information on on their status going forward here, but I wouldn't mind wouldn't I wouldn't mind them both sitting again um, before the road trip. But then you got to watch Mitchell's no, uh, minutes again. So, what are your quick thoughts coming up here on those two guys' injuries? What are you hearing, and then also on the slate ahead? Well, Mobley seems like he's probably further along, uh, probably closer. If it, I think if either one of them returned tomorrow uh, against the Suns, it would be Mobley. Uh, he went through shoot around prior to the Bulls game was wearing a starter shirt when he did. So, uh, you know, it doesn't seem obviously very serious. I'm with you, John. You know what? Maybe, maybe just let Mobley sit this next one out. He's had some ankle issues, you know, on and off since the preseason. He missed the entire preseason. Then bring him back for these road games. Um, Garland, you know, a sprained thumb is what it is. Uh, you know, you want to you want to give it as much time to heal as possible. Usually, it takes a couple weeks. He's now in week one. Might miss another week. I don't know. You know, could could come back for the road trip. That's that's hard to tell. But um, I, I'm very interested to see what Mitchell's going to do. <laughs> I think the Phoenix game is must see TV. What's he going to do next game? Uh, you know. It's just anytime you have one of those 71-point games, you just follow it up the next game. That's the other thing about the NBA. There's always another game like the next night or two nights later. So I think to me that's must-see TV, the Suns game. And this is an important West Coast trip. You know, this is five games. Uh, Those are are tough games too. Utah, Donovan Mitchell going back to Utah. Uh, You know, Denver which to me kind of looks like if I had to pick one team to come out of the West right now, it'd probably be Denver. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the best I team mean, in the West. They're playing very well. They're experienced. And then, uh, you know, so I, I just think that these are all going to be going to be fun. I think the 71 point game probably got a lot more people interested in the Cavs and what they're going to do from here on out because, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell has turned into a Luka Doncic or LeBron James or a, I'm sure there are some other guys there, Giannis, where all of a sudden, you know what, this is must-see TV if you're a basketball fan or a sports fan of any sort. So um, I think I think it was great for not just for him but for the organization as a whole. And uh, be real interesting. You know, they're in a tight race, just like I suspect last – like it did last year, John, this – Eastern Conference playoff positioning is going to come down to the final week. I think so. And the Cavs need to stay healthy because you want them to be in that four or five spot, Sam. And once we get closer into the season, we can, you know, it's still very, very early. We can kind of die, you know, dissect everything. Because if you think about it right now, the way the East is playing out and Indiana's won four straight, they're snuck into that sixth spot and they're just what three and a half games or excuse me, three games back of the Cavs. So, you know, three games are separating the Cavs from the playing tournament right now, if you think about it, um, which is something that they obviously don't want. But we got a long way to go. I don't necessarily think this road trip to make or break thing for them. Absolutely not. But it is a good measuring stick and how they're going to match up with some of the best teams. You mentioned Denver. Denver's the best team in the West. Phoenix is struggling a little bit, but uh, always tough to play out there. 
Uh, and then, of course, Portland, who's not having the best year either. But Cavs have always seemed to have problems playing in Portland and also playing in Utah as well. So we'll see what happens uh, going forward. Hopefully tomorrow at Shootaround, Sam, we'll get a, a, a more of an update on Ricky Rubio. Um, I know, and you've reported and written wrote about this on uh, on Hoopswire, that uh, you know J.B. Bickerstaff said early part of next month, he said that last week at the end of the year, which means now. So do you think, real quick before we go, do you think we see Ricky Rubio back on this West Coast trip? I've heard that the target date, the, the distant target date is January 16th. I think that's a home game against the Pelicans. Yes, it is. And then, uh, but I've heard that it could be before then. First of all, you know, maybe you do bring him back on the road because, look, they're going to bring him along slowly, probably some minutes restrictions, probably some games off. Um, so if they feel like he's ready to go, they'll probably put him out there for 10 minutes a, a, on a given night on this West Coast trip. Um you know, I, I don't know, Pelicans, you bring him back at home. I think the Pelicans is who he suffered the injury against last year. So maybe he doesn't want to come back <laughs> that game. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I suspect, John, I, just from everything I'm hearing, that he'll be back either on January 16th or before then uh, in, in, in game action before then. I, I wouldn't be a big shock to me to see him. Yeah. Then break him out on the West Coast trip. Yes, I think that will happen. Uh, you need that, especially with Garland's thumb injury. I think you may expedite the process. But I think we got to caution fans, Sam, that Rubio's going to be coming along slowly. He's not the missing piece here. He's going to be a compliment piece. He's going to be on a minutes restriction. And he's just going to you know, be there to give guys a blow here or there. Uh, I don't think you're going to see the full potential of Ricky Rubio for a few more months. Would you agree? No, you agree. Not till probably like March. Yes. Probably okay. see him in March. And it's going to take, you know, the, the key here, and every NBA player will tell you when you suffer an injury like that, is getting up to game speed, mm -hmm. which you can't do in practice. You've got to do it in games. When you're being brought along slowly in games, that's going to that's gonna take some time. But just the morale – boost that he will offer as well as you know i mean there will be times where he's going to be needed to to give garland either a breather or help fill in for him when he's hurt like he is now so um and, and it, it should help donovan mitchell a little bit too get a few more breaks so i just think that yeah you've you've got a caution you don't suspect rubio is going to come back with a whole lot to offer right away the idea is to have him offer his most in the playoffs uh, when it means the most. Well said. Cavaliers ringing the new year in a big way. Donovan Mitchell, 71. We just talked for 40 minutes, Sam, all about the number 71. Never thought I'd think I'd do that. Nah, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I sure did. I mean, 71 points. I did been doing this a long time and haven't, haven't seen that type of just – I, I can't remember a night where I thought, yeah, I'm going to remember that Cavs game for a long time, other than, of course, when they when they win the title. Yeah. Well, read Sam at hoopswire.com. Follow Sam on Twitter at Amico Hoops. Follow the pod at Cavs on the break. Follow yours truly at John underscore Sable. Remember, sports gambling is now legal in Ohio. Big thanks to DraftKings for sponsoring us. Use the code P3Cavs to receive $200 in bonus bets instantly. Use that code. Big shout out to Zach for listening. 
And thank you for listening to Cavs on the Break NBA podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Sam, take care, buddy. We will talk at you soon. I can't wait. Congratulations, Cleveland. Your decades-long wait is finally over. The Cavaliers are NBA champions.